Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. I want you to, if you will, take your Bibles and turn with me, please, to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6, once again. We came from here a couple weeks ago. Um, Sister Sandy was talking about Vision 2020. I didn't intentionally choose this time nor this passage of Scripture, but I believe that it's a, a God thing that we take the past or the last few weeks of this year and uh, spend some time talking about vision. We don't talk about it a lot, but I, I want to uh, really focus a lot on vision uh, for the uh, next uh, week or so. And uh, the, the three things that I told you a few weeks ago that God dealt with me about in this passage of Scripture. This passage of Scripture is a special, very special passage of Scripture to me because it was where I started the very first uh, message that I ever stood behind a pulpit and delivered came out of Isaiah chapter 6. And I think it's uh, unique that God would take me back. I've never spent this much time on this passage of Scripture, but God several weeks ago began to deal with me about it so so this is where we are and it's and it's uh my desire that uh, you would catch what god is wanting to speak into your life isaiah chapter six i want to talk to you this morning for just a few minutes on uh of course the vision of isaiah but uh the subtitle to that is looking upward uh, having a vertical uh, vision, one that's looking upward. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphims. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, which is a picture of reverence. And with two he covered his feet which is a picture of respect, and with two he flew, which is a picture of response, of obedience. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Father, we thank you this morning. Father, for your word, we ask today, Holy Spirit, that you would lead us that you would guide us and you would direct us as we go into this word and as we uh, talk about vision, Father. Lord, show us uh, what you desire for us to see. And we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. This vision of Isaiah that he had came at a time that there was transition, there was a, a changing of leadership, so to speak. Uh, 
Uzziah had been the king of the nation for years. What you might not know is that uh, at this moment in time, Uzziah's son was leading uh, the nation because his father, King Uzziah, uh, had been uh, uh, smitten with leprosy. Uzziah was a very successful king. Uh, he, he was blessed many ways. The kingdom prospered under his rule. But he, he got to a place that he dishonored God. And he dishonored God by going into the temple and uh, attempting to take the golden censer and put uh, incense on the altar of incense. It was a dishonoring of God. It was a usurping of authority on behalf of the king. The priest, the, the high priest, reprimanded him and told him, you don't need to do that. Uh, but in the moment that Uzziah was attempting to stand in the office of a priest and offer incense on the altar of incense, the Bible says that he was strict, uh, struck, struck with uh, leprosy, that it immediately began to appear on his forehead. From that moment on, Uzziah uh, lived alone. He was, he was uh, banned from coming in, uh, being around people for the simple fact that, or not the simple fact, but for the fact that he dishonored God. <clears throat> his pride uh, caused his downfall. I said that to say this. <clears throat> Isaiah begins uh, this by saying, It was in the year that King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. Sometimes God has to dethrone some things out of our lives before we can get a true vision of who He is. Sometimes God will allow us to go through some situations and some circumstances in our lives that might cause pain, that might cause struggle, that might be hard to deal with. But <clears throat> God is not desiring to destroy us. But what God desires to do is to get us to a place to where He is on the throne and not everything around us. You see, in the time that we're in now as a church, as McCullough Christian Center, we see how that God has blessed us. God has tremendously blessed us in 2019. As I began to think about that and all the, the blessings, and I, I hate to keep repeating it, but it bears repeating, guys, that uh, just a few months ago, as we had began to pray and began to seek God on behalf of the debt of this ministry and, and how that uh, the, the struggle of, of being under such a load of, of debt with the mortgage of this building 
and, uh, and how that it was such a struggle. And we began to pray. We began to seek God. And all of a sudden, things began to happen. Things began to change. Things began to turn. And, and we were able to, uh, to uh, get rid of some property that we had. And, and it seemed like that once that happened, it just began to snowball and things began to happen. And uh, where we had started the year out with over $360,000 worth of debt owed on this building, it just began to melt away. And all of a sudden now, we're standing here this morning and we owe just around $6,000 on this building. That is a big deal. It might not be a big deal to you, uh, but it's a big deal to me. But here's the thing, as I began to watch this and as I began to see this unfold, uh, it came into my spirit and, and it began to uh, stay heavy on my mind. God, what are you doing and what is going to be required of us at the end of this? Because God is not doing this just so that we can stand and brag about being debt-free. But God is doing this for a reason. There's a purpose behind what God is doing. And so it becomes our responsibility. It becomes the responsibility of leadership and of those of us that are a part of this ministry to begin to pray and get vision and have vision to say, I know what God is wanting us to do. I know that God is not just doing this uh, for us to feel good, but God is doing this. There's a reason, there's a purpose behind what God is doing. God never moves with the might of his hand without there being a reason or a purpose. So the place that we find ourselves is here where it's important that we get the vision from God. And so the first place that we need to start is the place that God dealt with me strongly about is that we need to begin to look upward. We need to begin to see God in a way that we've not seen Him before. This is 2019. We're moving over into 2020. If I were to ask you today, are you ready for what God is wanting to do in 2020, what would your answer be? Here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. We're living in a culture. We're living in a community. We're surrounded by a community of people that are lost, and many of them are on their way to hell. Many of them are bound up in addictions and afflictions and things such as that. Everywhere throughout Scripture, God has, has meant for his people, for his body to be a light that would shine in the darkest of night. He has meant for us as men and women of God to be the light that would penetrate the darkness, a light that would shatter the darkness, a light that would go into the dark areas, into the places that were blinded by darkness, and go into those places and bring light to those around us. God is always, from Genesis all the way through, God is meant for His people, for His body, 
for his kingdom to be the salt of the earth, to be that flavoring that no matter uh, the taste that's in the culture, that when God's people come in and when the kingdom of God begins to work and move in an area, that it would bring flavoring and savoring to that area. I've said this before and I'll say it again, that our nation is filled with mega churches. Our cities are filled with churches on every corner, but yet we continue to see the crime rate go up. We continue to see things happen. We continue to see uh, the rate of addictions go up and skyrocket. We continue to see crime uh, skyrocket in our communities. And yes, I know that we're living in the last days, but that is no excuse for the church not to be who God has called us to be. And so with that, I want to just share this with you this morning. I want you to notice that Isaiah had this vision and he saw the Lord sitting high upon a throne. I believe that what Isaiah saw was he saw the veil of the temple pull back and he saw the glory of God. He saw Christ on, on the throne of God. He saw the throne, and when he saw the throne of God, it radically changed his life. He saw the seraphim that were, that were there and the six-winged six creatures that were there that were uh, in reverence and respect before God and uh, they were responding to God's every command, and they were crying, Holy, 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 uh, the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The picture and the, the lesson that we can get from that is that when I have a vision of God and I see God in his glory and in his majesty and power, that I will not be able to do anything else but to cry, Holy, holy, holy. Holy is the Lord of hosts. You see, in our culture today, many times God has become what he can do for me rather than what I can do for God. It's important, ladies and gentlemen, that if you want to do something great in your life for God, it must begin right here. It must begin with a vision, a heavenly vision of where you see Christ sitting on the throne high and lifted up, and you understand that there is none beside him. He is holy. He is righteous. He is almighty. He is powerful. He is what they sing about this morning. He is in Genesis, the beginning. In Exodus, he is your deliverer. In Leviticus, he is the sacrifice. And we go on down through in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He is the Son of God, the Son of Man, the one who came. Uh, and became God incarnate on the earth. We go on all the way through the Bible and we see from beginning to end that the story is not about what God can do for me, but the story is about God and His holiness and His righteousness. Let me go on a little bit with that. As I told you in Genesis, He is the breath of life. 
In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he is my high priest. I'm talking about getting a vision of who God is, ladies and gentlemen. And it's not about getting a mansion on the hill or a brand new car to drive or a brand new house to live in. It's about a vision of who God is. And until we get to the place where I understand who he is and what he desires, I will never be able to be effective in my life. Many of you have heard the song, He Is. I, I woke up early, early this morning with this song going over and over in my in my spirit. And uh, I, I just can't help. I've got to just share this with you tonight, today, because I want you to get a vision of who God is. It's important, guys, that in 2020 we have a fresh vision of Jesus. Listen, we try all kind of programs. We try all kind of nine steps to better faith and three steps to a greater uh, walk with God. And we read all the books and we watch all the DVDs and, and we listen to all the sermons. And, and by the way, I, uh, as I usually do a lot, I, I, uh, I kind of surf around and, and listen to different sermons to get a feel of, of uh, things and what other preachers are saying. And as I uh, was uh, looking at vision, I began to surf around and do some surfing on the web and about sermons on vision. And every message that I heard on vision was what God can do for you. It's about you getting a vision to help you in your career. You getting a vision that will help you in your uh, walk and to have a better health and to better your lifestyle or something like that. Guys, somewhere down the line, uh, I believe that we're missing the point that God wants us to get. God wants us to have a vision of who he is. And so as I was thinking about this song, I, I, I just I, I listened to it over and over. And in Numbers, he was the fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he was the voice of Moses. In Joshua, he was salvation's choice. Judges, he was the lawgiver. In Ruth, he was the kinsman redeemer. And First and Second Samuel, he was the prophet's voice and uh and we go on down into Nehemiah. He was the rebuilder of broken walls. And Esther, he was the courage that Mordecai possessed. And in Job, he was the timeless redeemer. And in Psalms, he was the song of worship. And in Proverbs, he was wisdom's cry. And in Song of Solomon, he was the lover's dream. As I began to think about that, and as I began to just go over that and, and look at it. I, I couldn't help but think about, God, what are you wanting uh, to, to speak into me and what are you wanting to show me? And, and I went on down into Isaiah and, and Isaiah talked about the Prince of Peace and the Emmanuel, the God with us that was to come. Jeremiah became the, the weeping prophet and lamentations God was the cry for the redemption of Israel and Ezekiel he was the call from sin 
And in Daniel, he was the stranger in the fire. And Hosea, where Hosea was told by God to marry a prostitute, God became the picture of one that is forever faithful. In Joel, where Joel prophesied the coming of the Holy Spirit that would be poured out in the last days, we see God there as the Spirit's power being poured out. In Amos, we see God as a picture of the arms that are carrying us. And, and we go on down into Micah, the promise of peace, and that's who he was and and Nahum he was our strength and shield and so we go on down to Haggai and where he restores the lost heritage of his people in Zechariah he was the fountain that was being released for his people do you really know who he is you see the Bible is not a book that was given so that we could prosper. It was a book of salvation. The Bible is never meant to be a history book, but it's a story of our salvation. The book of Acts, God is seen as the fire that comes from heaven. In the book of Ephesians, he's seen as our glorious treasure. In the book of Philippians, he is the servant's heart. Colossians, he's the Godhead Trinity. In Hebrews, he's the everlasting covenant. In James, he's the one who heals the sick. In First and Second Peter, he is our shepherd. In John and in Jude, he's the lover coming for his bride. And in the book of Revelations, we see him as the King of kings and the Lord of lords that's coming back on a white horse to redeem those that he's called out and those that have been chosen by him. And we can go on down and we talk about that he's the Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father. He's the shepherd of our souls, the lover of my soul. He is everything that I could ever need, everything that I could ever desire. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And you say, Pastor, you're rambling. No, I'm not rambling. I want you to get a vision of the God that you talk about. I want you to understand that He's a God that loves you and He's a God that will meet every need that you've got. But there's a key, friend, and and to tapping in to who he is and it, it is found in Isaiah chapter 6 that when Isaiah was divested of all the other things and, and every other king was dethroned off of his throne that Isaiah said I saw the Lord. Listen if you want to see the Lord you got to be looking up. You're not going to be able to look at your problems and see him. You're not going to be able to walk in the midst of your misery and find him God will be seen when we're looking up with a heavenly vision. Listen, as we talk about that, and, and I know you're still full on Thanksgiving turkey and all that, but I, I, I've just got to, to tell you this morning, I feel so strongly about this, that God is speaking, that we've got to get a heavenly vision. Listen, when I get a heavenly vision earthly things won't matter to me anymore. 
When I get a heavenly vision, what you say about me won't matter anymore. When I get a heavenly vision, what people think about me won't matter anymore. When I get a heavenly vision, what culture thinks about me won't matter anymore. But it'll be all about him. It'll be all about Jesus. It'll be all about what he's done when I get a heavenly vision. Listen, the Apostle Paul desired to speak to the church of Corinth uh, about a heavenly vision. But he told them in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he said, Brothers, I, I could not address you as spiritual people, but I had to speak to you as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. He said, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for you were not ready for it and even now you're not yet ready for you're still of the flesh what was Paul saying Paul was saying guys uh, when when you need to be eating meat when you need to be eating solid food uh, I can't give it to you because you're still on the milk of the word in other words what Paul was saying was you cannot understand a heavenly vision and you cannot understand a heavenly revelation because you're not Mature, you're not able to receive it. And so, what we're looking at today is that that God wants to speak to us a vision of heaven. You see, the thing about this passage of scripture that spoke to me was that when Isaiah had this vision, it changed him forever. And we see all throughout scripture when men of God had a vision of God, when they saw God and had an encounter with God, it forever changed their lives. I'm afraid that there are many people that sit on church pews on a weekly basis, but they've never had a vision of God because when they go out, they think nothing else about God. They're not concerned about the things of God. When you see a lost man, it doesn't bother us. When we see men and women that are dying and going to hell, it doesn't bother us anymore. We don't shed tears for those that are broken. We don't worry about those that are next door neighbors that, that are on their way to hell. It doesn't bother us. Friend, I'm telling you this morning about the vision that God wants Wants us to have is one that will cause us to weep when we see people that are lost. I was sharing with Judy this morning things that I've heard over the past few weeks and people that I've heard about and things that I've witnessed over the past few weeks and I said these things just burden my heart because I see people in such a mess and I see uh, the lives of so many people being destroyed and 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 brokenness and hurting and addictions and and all these things going on marriages falling apart and people's lives falling apart and I said it burdens my heart that we can't reach more of these people Listen, the first vision that we need to get is the vision of Jesus, vision of Christ, because He is the ultimate one that will change our lives. So many times in our culture, we want the blessing of God. We want God to give us things, and we want to receive things from God, but we're unconcerned about pleasing Him 
worshiping Him and serving Him. Listen, when we have no vision, it means that we have no spiritual enlightenment. We have no insight into divine things and no sense of spiritual direction. We have no chartered course, no sense of purpose. That's the reason that in Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18, the writer said, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Because people perish when they have no purpose, when they don't know their purpose. And the reason many times that, that our culture and our families are in such a mess even while we are going to church and attending church on Sunday morning is because we have no vision. We have no purpose. We go to church and we put our names on a roll book, but yet we have no purpose as Christians. If I were to ask you this morning, why would a God in heaven come down and walk this earth for three or for 33 years and minister for three years and, and die on a cross and shed his blood and go uh, into a, a grave and be resurrected on the third day. Why would he do that for me? Why would he do that for you? He did it because he loved me and he loved you. But more than that, he did it because he wants you and I to go and spread the word that he is Savior and Redeemer. Listen, after Isaiah chapter 6, all the way through the book of Isaiah, Isaiah begins to prophesy. He begins to speak boldly. He begins to declare to his generation about the love of God, the judgment of sin, and, and uh, the need for repentance. Isaiah wasn't called to pat people on the back and tell them that everything's going to be okay. But Isaiah was called to be a prophet and to prophesy to a generation of people and a nation of people that were on their way uh, to destruction and judgment. Isaiah was called to prophesy to a backslidden nation. And guys, you and I, as we look into 2020, uh, we, we need to recognize and understand uh, that God has given us a window. We have received a window of blessing for the past few years, and prayerfully we'll have that within the next few years as well. But we've received a window of opportunity where we have uh, the ability uh, to, to declare the Word of God and speak the Word of God. But friend, look out on the horizon and recognize that there's some storms that are brewing on the horizon. Never before in our culture have we seen the socialist agenda uh, rise up 
like it is in our nation today. Never before have we had to worry about men and women that would stand up and publicly declare a, a, a message of socialism and all of that in our nation. And never before have we been faced with such a tide that has, has arisen that it is coming against Christianity and coming against godliness and holiness. We've never seen it before. And I want to tell you this morning, we're one election away from it all coming in on us and shutting down and, and, and putting a damper on the things of, of Christianity. And I'm not being political, but I'm telling you this morning, ladies and gentlemen, that when you vote, you better ask yourself, am I voting for godliness or am I voting for prejudice or preference or whatever? Am I voting for somebody that's going to lift up the name of Jesus? Am I voting for somebody that's going to stand against abortion? Am I voting for somebody that's going to stand against uh, the, the godless agenda that's being uh, pushed on us? Us, or am I voting because of the popular thing or the political correctness? You see, we need a vision from heaven. That vision of heaven will take me past the color of my skin. It will take me past uh, what I'm looking at with my eyes. My vision of heaven will take me past uh, the preferences of society and the political correctness of everybody around me. And it will cause me to recognize the heart of a holy God, that God is displeased with sin and God loves the sinner, but God wants us as men and women of God to be a light in the darkness you see ladies and gentlemen what I'm telling you this morning and I know you might think well he's just rambling around and and he's just shooting out and spot, spotting around but I'm telling you this morning we need a heavenly vision because when I get a heavenly vision it won't be about what Cornelius wants it'll be about what God wants See, it's important for me that I build the foundation of my life on this heavenly vision. For when I fail to do that, when I fail to build my life on a heavenly vision, I become as those that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 7, uh, along about verse 26, of the man that went out and built his house on a foundation of sand. And the wind came, and the storm, the rain, the floods came, and the Bible says that when that happened, that the house that was built upon sand uh, was destroyed. But if you'll notice in that same passage of Scripture, the man that built his house on the rock experienced the same storm, experienced the same struggle. He experienced the same battle. But in the midst of the storm, because he built his house upon the vision that God had given him because he built his house upon a solid foundation, the rock which is Christ Jesus. He stood in the midst of the storm. The storm was all around him, but the storm could not destroy his house. Why? Because it was built upon a rock. But if we fail to build upon this foundation that Christ has given us, we will suffer a loss.
So God is calling us today to build upon a foundation. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11, Paul said this, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. I'm going to tell you this, and then I'm going to close, and we're going to um, celebrate the Lord's Supper this morning. The Apostle Paul, you know the story, and I, I've shared this a little bit, but the Apostle Paul had uh, a vision and was knocked off of his horse on the way to Damascus. And that vision changed his life. And in Acts chapter 26, Paul is, is being persecuted on every side. He's, being, he's been in prison. He's been beaten. He's been shamed and, and drug in courts and all of that. And he's standing before King Agrippa in Acts chapter 26. And, and King Agrippa begins to question Paul about his relationship with God and his stance for God and all that. And Paul uh, begins to tell him about his testimony that at midday he was on his way to Damascus and he saw this great light that was brighter than the sun. He said it knocked him off of his horse and, and he fell to the ground and he said, I heard a voice speaking to me saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the, the pricks. And Saul, Paul said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Paul begins to relate this testimony to King Agrippa. And he told him about the purpose that God spoke to him that day, laying in the middle of a dirt road, that God spoke to him and said, This is the reason that I knocked you off of your horse. This is the reason that I put you flat on your back. This is the reason that I uh, stepped into your life and uh, did what I did because I've got a purpose for you. In verses 16 through 18 of Acts chapter 26, God spoke to Paul and said, But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose. And this purpose can be translated into all of our lives. This is what God desires out of us. He says to appoint you as a servant and a witness to the things which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you. He says, I will deliver you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. And I'm sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Paul, remember, standing before King Agrippa, who has his life in the palm of his hand. And Paul looks at this king, and he says this in verse 19. He says, because of this, talking about his experience, his testimony, his purpose, the reason that God called him, 
what God had called him to do and all of that. Paul says, therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. In other words, Paul said, King Agrippa, you can do whatever you want to, but I know the call on my life. I know the plan that God has for my life. I know the reason that he redeemed me. I know why he saved me. And it was to declare his name among the Gentiles. It was to, to, to declare his name to those that are lost and dying. O King Agrippa, I will not be disobedient to the heavenly vision. So I ask you this morning, do you have a heavenly vision? Do you have a vision of God that has so changed your life, so changed your way of thinking, that it causes you to look at things differently? It causes you to react to things differently. See, when I get a heavenly vision, all the stuff that the enemy would throw at me to slow me down, to stop me will not matter. Because when I get a heavenly vision, it's all about Him. Here's the thing. When I get a heavenly vision, my purpose will begin to be fulfilled. All of a sudden, my purpose, my purpose for living will begin to rise up and come about. And here's what I was going to say about your purpose. Listen, when you are walking in a godly purpose... When you're walking under the authority of a God purpose, there is nothing the enemy can do to stop you. There is nothing that man can do to stop you because I carry the purpose of a living God on my life. It all comes from having the foundation that Isaiah had when he said, I saw the Lord. I saw him. I saw him in his beauty. I saw him in his majesty. I saw him in his holiness. I saw him. He wasn't just a man. He was God. He was sovereign. I saw the Lord. So guys, as we look over into 2020, let us go into this coming year with a new vision, with a fresh vision of who God is because you see friend it will cause you to realize that there's nothing that's impossible with him listen look out look through your Bible at men and women that got a vision from God they were unstoppable we think about people like Paul and Peter James and others we think about men like Smith Wigglesworth John G Lake and other men that God used greatly and miraculously it's because they had a vision from God. They weren't concerned about what people thought. Their only desire was to please Him who had called them. Amen? Would you stand with me, please? Brother Tad, I'm going to ask you and Brother Brian, if you will, to come and... and uh, bring the table out. I want you to take just a few moments today. 
And I want you to think about what we've talked about. And I want to ask you this morning, how do you see God? When you think about Jesus, what do you think about? That's good. Thank you, guys. Brother Tommy, you can just stay up here if you want to. Judy, if you will, come. Sister Kathy, if you will. I'm going to ask the musicians to, to come this morning. What do you think about when you think about Jesus? When you're driving down the road and you're looking at all the houses and, and all the, the vehicles that you're passing, what are you thinking about? When you're on your job and, and working at your job or going to your school and you see all the, the things that's going on around you, what do you think about? You say, Pastor, do I have to always be praying, do I always have to be crying and weeping because people are lost? No, I'm not saying that, but I am saying this, guys. God wants you to have a heart for those that are hurting, those that are broken. It should bother us when we see people that are dying. It should bother you when you get on Facebook and see the junk that's going on in people's lives. should bother you enough not to get involved with it except to give them an encouraging message that Jesus can save them and he can redeem them. So this morning, as we prepare today, I want, I want to just give you just a few moments to bow your heads and a personal time, just you and God. And I want to give you just a few moments to say, Father, forgive me of my failures. Forgive me of my sins. And God, I desire to have that heavenly vision. I desire to have that vision that only you can give. And so I want to present myself to you today as a living sacrifice. And I rejoice today in the fact that you shed your blood for me. I rejoice in the fact today that your body was broken on the cross of Calvary. So this morning as you pray, Realize today that God loves you. He redeemed you. He restored you. But He did it so that you could impact your world. Father, we come this morning in the name of Jesus, thanking you today 
Father, for the blood that was shed on the cross of Calvary. Thanking you today, Father, that that blood redeemed us. That blood washed us and cleansed us from our sins. Knowing today, Father, that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So, Father, today we rejoice. We rejoice today that we have been recipients of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for the body that was broken. Father, your word says you were wounded for our transgressions. You was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon you. And with your stripe, we're healed. Father, we're thankful today. We're thankful this morning. So, Father, today as we prepare to partake of this meal, Father, we do so with humility and brokenness. Desiring today, Father, that we can leave this place with a fresh vision of who you are. In Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat, for this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also, he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. So this morning, as we partake of this bread and of this juice, we're remembering what Christ did for us on the cross. And we're acknowledging the benefits of his work on our behalf. Father, we come today to honor you. We magnify you, O Lord, this morning. Father, we rejoice today that the blood has been shed, the body has been broken, and we're thankful today, Lord, for the benefits of the cross. We're thankful for the benefits of your blood. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you will this morning, 
just ask this side over here if you'll start over here and just come around. You guys over here, if y'all will start over there, just come around this way.
Amen. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you, Lord, this morning. Father, for your word. And Lord, today, we thank you, Father, that, that God, that you're filling us individually, personally, God, with fresh vision. God, we thank you this morning that men, women, young men, young ladies are going to have fresh encounters with you. And God, that as we begin to do that, that we'll see a corporate vision begin to be fulfilled. Father, because our purpose will begin to rise, we thank you today. Father, I just pray your blessings over this house today, over families that are here this morning. I speak your blessing over them today. We'll give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.